morning and welcome. We are so glad that somehow in some way you found your way here to Radiant Life this morning. Hey, when you walked into the worship center, hopefully you received a bulletin, which is just a fancier word for this sheet of paper. At the bottom is what we call a connection card. We'd love it if you would take a moment to fill it out. Notice on the back side, there's a spot for prayer requests and praises. So fill it out and put it in the offering plate when it passes by. But hey, if you're new here, you can take your connection card after the service and bring it to our lobby. And there you'll find the Radiant Cafe. And you can turn your connection card in for a free drink and gift on us. One of the things we encourage those at Radiant Life to do is to check in. So right now, find your phones, whether they're in your pocket or your purse or already in your hands, and check in on whatever platform of social media you use, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever that might be. Use the hashtag RadiantLifeCH. Feel free to take a selfie or a group shot, whatever you want. And this is just a great tool, a great tool to use as outreach to let those around you know what's going on here at Radiant Life, but most importantly, what's going on in your life. So check in, and once you're done with that, put those phones away. Hi there, my name is Patricia. I am the Kids and Creative Arts Pastor, and here is what you can look forward to over the next couple of months at Radiant Life. June 17th, we are doing something new and exciting. I think you've already heard about it. It's our Light Up the Dark 5K Glow Run. Now you can sign up for this run by going to our webpage, which is theradiantlife.church. You can click on our events page, and if you scroll almost to the bottom, you'll find Light Up the Dark, and you can sign up that way. Or you can go to runsignup.com, type in Light Up the Dark in the search bar, and you can sign up that way. Now, for those of you who are sitting right now thinking, I am not a runner and there's no way I can walk that far, totally understandable. So we have volunteer signups available in the lobby now. You can go and find them by our Light Up the Dark banner. And uh, some of those things would include like helping pass out water to those who are walking or running. Um, so you can help uh, volunteer that way. That way you are still breathing by the end of the night which is ultimately our goal for everyone. Uh, it's just a great way to connect with the community and with each other, so we hope that somehow you get involved. Now I know some of you are wondering, what is Radiant Kids Camp? Short answer, it's Vacation Bible School. Our team put our heads together and, and tried to figure out another way that we could break down barriers with the community and with unchurched kids. And by renaming the week, we think that this is going to open doors and, and more opportunities with kids who didn't grow up in the church and, and don't know what the Bible is about and, and all of this church stuff. Our goal is still to teach kids to live like Jesus, share his love, and to have fun in the midst of all of that. Registration is now available for Radiant Kids Camp. Parents, you can fill out the sheets and you can put it in the mailbox that is out there. And for those of you who know that you'll be around that week and want to help and get involved, there's a volunteer sign-up out in the lobby as well. There is a board out there with different supplies that we need in order to adventure in Narnia. I would love it if you would grab one or two or whatever you feel led to uh, and, and donate to different supplies. You can bring those in and hide them under the table that's out in the lobby. Or for bigger things, you can just put them in the gym and we'll pick them up later. It should be a blast of a time, so we hope all of your kids can make it.
Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to part five of our teaching series, Home Run Life, What Game Plan Are You Running? And this morning, it's going to be something new that we haven't learned yet, and we're going to wrap up this series together. So if you've missed the last four weeks of this series, you can go online to theradiantlife.church. Hop online, go to the media page, and get caught up in all of our messages so you get a better flow and understanding of where we've been and where we're going. But we all chase a home run life. We all want it, but we've been learning that the best way to chase a home run life is to do it by God's design, by God's game plan. And this morning, we're going to talk about when and why we're convinced, we're compelled, and we're committed to running the bases backwards. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, Ryan, we spent four weeks learning to run it the right way. Hang in there. It will make sense. So, church, are you ready? Let's jump in. Let's wrap this thing up. If you got your Bible, your phone or tablet, open it up. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 12. 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, found in the Newer Testament. You've got four guys in the Newer Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, who write about the life of Jesus. And then next is a book called Acts. It's all about the actions of the early church. Generation numeral uno, followers of Jesus. It's all about the early church. And then you'll find Romans. Romans is where Paul, this guy that hated Jesus and all of a sudden became a follower of Jesus, started churches all over the place, and in Rome, he writes to the churches in Rome, in Rome, which we get the letter, Romans. And then you got 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. To give us an idea, a setup for this letter, is here's a map of the ancient world. You have Jerusalem on the bottom right there, Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey. You have Greece, and here's the city of Corinth that Paul is writing to, the church that he started. He is the founding pastor of the church in Corinth. And there's been a lot of things that is happening in the church, and he has to leave the church, and he goes back all throughout Asia Minor and plants more churches. But while his time in Corinth, the city about 400,000 people, three quarters of them are slaves. And while he's there, he builds up leaders to take over the church when he's going to go start other churches. And in the process, he's leading lives to Jesus. It's going great. But when he leaves, he gets wind that there's some things happening inside the church. And he needs to address it. So he writes a letter back to Corinth. We know he wrote at least two letters because we have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. But we also know he wrote up to four letters to the church. We're told in 1 Corinthians that he wrote a previous letter which got lost in history. We don't have that. And then we have his second letter, which we call 1 Corinthians, even though that's his second letter that he wrote. And then we were told in 2 Corinthians he wrote a severe letter to correct some things in the church, and that is another letter we don't have, and then he wrote 2 Corinthians, which is actually Paul's fourth letter to the church. You, do, you, do you get the idea things are happening in this church? And Paul's like, oh, geez, I got to write you again, right? I often wonder if Paul was alive today, and say Paul founded Radiant Life, 
what kind of letter would he write us today? And see, what's happening in Corinth right now is people are rising up and starting to question Paul. They're saying, you're a fake, Paul. And Paul needs to write and address and defend himself to the church in Corinth. To put a modern-day illustration for us, to understand this defense that Paul's going to give. A couple of years ago, Pepsi Max teamed up with ex-NASCAR driver Jeff Gordon. Any Jeff Gordon fans? Okay, all right, just a couple. Any NASCAR fans? All right, we got more NASCAR fans than Jeff Gordon. All right. But Jeff Gordon disguises himself, goes to a car dealership, and wants to test drive a Chevy Camaro. And the salesman's like, awesome, has no idea it's Jeff Gordon, and Jeff Gordon takes him on a wild ride. Here's a little, little glimpse to set up the story. I'm Jeff Gordon, and you may remember a little video that I did with Pepsi Max called Test Drive. Some folks on the internet question whether I really pulled that off. One of those people was Travis from Jalopnik. Uh, I start to suspect about on the second viewing. So the second viewing, that this guy by the name of Travis, he's like, this is fake. This whole thing by Pepsi Max and Jeff Gordon, it's a fake. This isn't real. It's all a setup. So what happens is Pepsi Max got in connection with Travis's employer and says, do you want to get Travis back? They said, absolutely. So now Pepsi Max has teamed up again with Jeff Gordon to get Travis back, to say, Travis, this is the real thing. They set it up this way. Travis is at a hotel. Jeff Gordon is disguising himself as a cab driver to pick up Travis. We don't have time for the entire clip, but you'll get a good glimpse of the video. You Travis? I'm Travis. Did you buckle that seatbelt for me? Oh, yeah. State law, you know. Are you from New York? I'm from New. I'm from actually. I'm from New Jersey. Yeah, we don't even want to get that Did some time for, with the guy from Jersey one time. No, sir. Please. I can't sir. go back, man. I sir. Can't go Sir, 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 I can't. Stop, stop, stop. I can't, please stop. I can't please do stop. it, man. Please, no! No! I can't go back, man. I'm sorry. No! Fuck, stop. No! 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 Please, please stop. 
And just like Pepsi Max and Jeff Gordon trying to defend themselves to say this is real, Paul's writing to the church that says, I'm not a fake. I'm a fanatical follower, a follower of Jesus Christ, and I am convinced, I am compelled, and I am committed to Jesus. And this is where we pick up in reference to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, and it begins this way, as Paul's writing. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that, you, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. He continues, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. And you pause and think, well, that's an odd statement, out of our mind. But realize, church, uh, Corinth, 400,000 people in that city, most of them do not know who Jesus is. So when they see this church launching and all these new believers in Jesus, they're loving each other. They're loving the sinners of the world. They're serving one another. People think, you guys are crazy. You're out of your mind. And Paul says, yeah, if that's it, it's because we're for God. And so he continues on. For Christ's love, what church? Compels us because we are what, friends? We are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for? Who? They shouldn't live for themselves, but for him who dies for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. And then an awesome, awesome thing Paul says next. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. And can we read this last sentence together, friends? The old is gone, the new is here. Whew. How awesome is that? Paul's saying if you're in relationship with Jesus, your old creation's gone, you're a brand new creation. And that's good news for all of us today. It's so awesome. And he goes on to the people in Corinth. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave who? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. Did you hear that? Your sins are not held against you. God's forgiven. God's power of forgiveness and love is greater than the sin in your life. You know what's really difficult? It's to actually believe this because we as humans dingle everyone else's sins over their heads all the time. We say, you hurt us. And I want pain and I want to get you back for what you do. And Paul's writing to that church saying, no, no, no. I'm going to have to talk louder. <laughs> Paul's saying, no, 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 no. When you are in Jesus, he does not count your sins against you. Isn't that good news? And he continues on with the church. And he is committed to who? Us. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, that's you. He committed to you and to me the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through, who again? 
us. You are the message of Jesus. And he's telling the people in Corinth, listen, you think I'm a fake, but I'm convinced, I'm compelled, and I'm committed. And we are the message of Jesus Christ. And he's not done. He finishes this way. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be what, friends? Be reconciled to God. This morning, we're going to jump into three things why we should run the bases of life backwards. Three things. So if you're a note taker, get ready. Here's the very first thing. Convinced of eternal life. Convinced of what, friends? Eternal life. We have to live our lives like eternity matters. That life and death is on the line. That there are people in our lives and in our places of business and in our family and in our neighborhoods and at the parks that we play in that their lives matter, that heaven and hell is on the line. Do you care enough knowing that there are people in your life that will spend eternity far away from Jesus Christ? And Paul says, I am convinced because of sin that Jesus died for all people. And Paul writes, and he's, what God's doing is reconciling all this sin and brokenness through Jesus Christ. And he's reconciling it, and he's not holding all of our brokenness against us. And in the process of that, we no longer live for ourselves, we live for God and for others. And you know what's really difficult, friends? Is I realize that we can attend church and still live for ourselves. We can quote the Bible and still live for ourselves. And I hope if you've been with us for the last four weeks and as we wrap up this week, I hope you recognize that the home run life, this entire series, is not a self-help series. It's a die-to-self series. That this is all about God and all about others but it starts with transforming us first. Be convinced of eternal life. Live as if life and death are on the line. So turn to your neighbor one more time, pick your favorite person by you and say, convinced of eternal life. And just give your other neighbor a high five, say, next time I'll get you. There you go. In church... We can have fun at church, right? Man, God created fun. We're going to have fun, but we're going to take God seriously. And there are people who are far from him that will spend eternity away from him. Do we live like this matters? So convinced of eternal life, and next thing that Paul says is he's compelled by the love of God. Compelled by what? love of God. This idea of compel means to get a hold of. It's the same word, Greek word, that's used when Jesus goes to the garden the night he's going to get arrested. And he's in the garden and the guards come and compel him and take a hold of him and bring him to Caiaphas for a trial. It's the same word of compelled that is used when the guards then compel Jesus and take him to Pontius Pilate for trial. And it's the same compel word used when they took Jesus, the guards, and beat Jesus and flogged him. 
The idea is that in our lives, Paul's saying that you are so gripped by the love of God that the words that come out of your mouth flow from your love of God, that the actions we do flow from your love of God, that we are so entangled with the love of God that we are possessed with it in a good sense. And we are so possessed and love and experience this love of God that we go out and seek people who are far from Jesus and get the love of God in them. Are we compelled by the love of God? And every Sunday or every Saturday when I come in here for my prayer time, I pray for our services and I go around and lay my hands on every single pew. I walk through the pews, pray for the praise team, pray for the sound guys and everything. I pray above everything that people would experience the love of Jesus above everything else. Even before lives are surrendered to him, I pray, will we experience your love this morning? That's the heart. And we have to realize and really question our faith on this. Because as a follower of Jesus, when you have surrendered your life to Jesus, your heart aligns with God's heart. And God's heart is seeking lost people. And you have to sincerely question your faith, your genuine faith. Do I care for lost people? And I've said this before, I have a cousin that's an absolute outspoken atheist. And I have to admit to you, I don't pray for him enough. And some of the hardest messages for me to get up and deliver are the ones that speak so directly to my heart. And I have other family members who are far from God, who are making the wrong decisions in life. I have to ask my question in my faith, God, am I so convinced of eternal life that I care enough that they're going to spend eternity away from you? Am I compelled enough? It doesn't matter what it looks like, but am I compelled by your love to get the love of God in them? And we have to ask our question, ourselves our, a question. How sincere is our faith? Are you compelled by the love of God in your life? Turn to your neighbor and say, be compelled. With a little more enthusiastic and passion, say it again, be compelled. <laughs> Woo! That was good, by the way, that was good. So, convinced of eternal life, Compelled by the love of God, and lastly, committed as ambassadors. Committed as what? Ambassadors. You, you and I are the message of Jesus. Paul's saying, church in Corinth, you guys, what God is doing is reconciling the broken world through Jesus back to God, but it's through you. It's what you are doing. And that is our goal, is to seek lost people and get them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is your goal. That is my goal. And in fact, to give us a better picture of what this may play out, one of my favorite TV shows is Top Gear. Anyone else heard of Top Gear? Yes, the men. <laughs> uh, Top Gear is a car show. It started in England and it's moved to America. And I don't know if it's still on or not, but it they do a lot with cars. It's just a manly car show. That's what it is. And in fact, on the British version of Top Gear, Jay Leno was interviewed. And you're going to get a glimpse of all the cars that Jay Leno had and this idea as an ambassador. Go ahead and play the video. 
skill like this guy. I had my McLaren F1 out, and I took it to a car show. And I see these two LA gang members, <laughs> scary guys, tattoo, you know, the thing on the neck with the cross, the tear on the, you know, the whole bit. And they're looking at my car, and I'm like, oh boy. And one of them says, hey, Gordon Murray I designed this, right? And I went, yeah. And then the other guy asked about David Stevens, and I realized, well, now I, I'm prejudging people, okay? I assume because they look different from me that they're criminals or gangsters. And I felt so bad about this. I said to these guys, you ever, you ever been in one of these? No, no. And I said, you want to go for a ride? They said, yeah. And I realized, all right, maybe this is a mistake, okay? <laughs> and as big as they were outside, they were enormous in the car. The guy's head, and when that tattoo is right here, you know, you know, with the misspelled die and everything. And I, I, all right, so we're driving along. Hey, this is good. Guy goes, go up here in the hills. There's no traffic. Oh, all right, so. Uh, <laughs> not good at this point. So there's a place called Canaan Road, which goes above Malibu, and there are some tunnels that go through the mountains. So I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll nail it through the mountains. You guys got to hear the, the F1 McLaren. I fly through the tunnel, 125. As I come out of the tunnel, police call right here. So, <laughs> I go, pulled over, and now I got two gang guys. And then, <laughs> a check on these guys, it'll be drug dealers, my, my, my clown will be towed, they'll put a hook on it and drag it to impound, I'll be arrested for going on driver. So, cop pulls over, and the highway patrolman goes, what are you doing? You know how fast you're going? The two guys go, we're police officers, sorry. <laughs> like the rest of the world. Do you get where I'm going? That's you. We are undercover agents. Some of you, that's the best news and you all day long, you wanted to be in the CIA or whatever. Turn your neighbor and say you're an undercover agent. That's you. We are undercover agents in God's kingdom, wisely displaced in the careers that we're in and in the neighborhoods and in the parks we play in. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Wherever God has you on the map, God has you on mission. Let me say that again. Wherever God has you on the map, God has you on mission. And your mission is done when you're six feet buried in the ground and God's called you home. You are on a mission for Jesus Christ and God's kingdom. Don't ever forget that. And there are days we wake up and saying, why am I going back to this job? Oh my goodness, why am I a stay-at-home mom? Why are we in this neighborhood? Remember, God has you on the map. He's got you on mission. You are an undercover agent in God's kingdom. Come on, that's cool. <laughs> it's cool. Committed as ambassadors. That's you, that's me. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these three ideas, why we're convinced of eternal life, why we're compelled by the love of God, and why we're committed as ambassadors to run the bases of life backwards. So here we go. We're going to jump into the picture that we've used. And if, if you weren't here throughout this series, again, jump online, get caught up. But I want to picture the diamond, the baseball diamond, and just put church in the middle. Because the church is the hub of influence. It's awesome to see the streams of influence that comes here and meets together every Sunday all across the world. The greatest impact and the greatest influence in a community should be the church. 
Why? We've got the greatest message in the world. We got the message that's liberating, that's freeing, that's full of grace, that's full of love, and we ought to be some of the best leaders in our areas of careers. It ought to come from the church. And in the last four weeks, we've been talking about running the bases forward. It's this ideal of discipleship. Discipleship is the fancy church word for living like Jesus. So we, everything in life starts at home plates. This was win with who? Oh, we need to, uh, hold on. Uh, let's try this again. There's not going to be words, so you're going to have to recall the memory. Drink another sip of coffee real quick. Are you ready? Win with who? God. God. Win with God. That's first, that's not first base, that's home plate. That's home plate. Whether we're followers of Jesus or we don't know about this God and we're just kicking the tire, we're unsure. We have to answer the question, why am I here? What is my purpose? Why am I here? What is my purpose? We get with God, we connect with him, get on his purpose and his power for your life. And then we run to first base, which is when what? When within. It's our character. We Get on base with God, we run to first and say, all right, God, work on some character issues, work on that addiction, work on that gossip, work on the language that's coming out of my mouth, help me live like your son, Jesus. Then we run to second base, which is win with others. It's that other base, it's the community base, it's the let's start loving one another. Jesus' great three words he gives in one of his last meeting with his closest people on earth, his 12 young men, known as the disciples, over and over, he says, love one another, love one another, love one another. It's a radical thing. And then we bring it to third base, win where you are, let's get results, and we bring it back to God and say, God, all praise and glory to you, let's do this again. And it's forward base running. But we know in the church, it's the hub of influence, and there's, I'm going to put it in seven influences that is represented every Sunday morning. The first is this, the business world. Some of you are in there, whether it's your factory, whether you own a business, whatever it is, you're in the business realm of things, and you're here. For others, it's government. It's our policemen. It's our firemen. It's our city workers. It's everything in the government realm. We have government workers within the church. We have education we have teachers, we have administrators, we have parapros, we have all sorts of education people within the church. We have the health and medical, from nurses to doctors to psychiatrists to counselors, whatever that is, you're in the health and medical world. We have the entertainment and arts. A lot of you are very artsy, and, and that's just your key. You do stuff with your hands, you're very creative, you're in the entertainment and arts. For others, we're in the media, radio, marketing. Other things that where we work, that's what we do. And then lastly, sports. We have so many coaches and athletic trainers and all sorts of things represented in the church. And the church should be the hub of influence. And we grow and live like Jesus, running the bases forward. But we know, and we've talked about, that the world runs it backwards. The bases of life are run backwards by the world. And people respect and people hear the way they live their lives. So if the world respects that, if the world hears that, that backwards running life, we ought to meet them there. Why? 
because we're convinced of eternal life, we're compelled by the love of God, and we are committed as ambassadors. So let's meet them there. This backwards running theme and known in church world is evangelism. Turn to your neighbor and say evangelism. That's just the churchy world for share his love. What happened in the older, older days of, uh, of life, the evangelism was always start at home plate, start with God. You need God and run to first base. Here's what's wrong with you. That doesn't work in the 21st century anymore. Ministry is always changing. And that's the way it was. You need God, here's what's wrong with you. You need God, here's what's wrong with you. And instead of running it forward the way that God grows us up here if the world runs it backwards, let's start here at home plate. And instead of telling people to, they have to have God, let's start acting like God. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. The entire character of who God is, is giving. We start here at home plate and we begin to give. We give what? We give. We give ourselves away over and over. We give more than we take. It works in marriage. It works in business. It works in life. You will be more successful if you give more than you take. And all of a sudden, wherever God has you on the map, you're giving yourself away more and more. You're going to run to third base and get better. Get what? Get better at what you do because the world respects that. That's what they hear. This is the way they run. So when you're giving yourself away wherever you are on the map and you are getting better at whatever God has you doing, people will learn to respect you because you're getting results the way they run the world's pattern. And then when we get better at what we do, we begin to add value. Add what? Add value. People who add value are valued. You love it when someone comes up to you and just adds value and life to you. You don't want to throw those. You want to keep those people really close to you, do you not? And here's what's awesome. When we give ourselves away, get better at what we do, and we start to add value to people, you know what people do? We go to first base, and it gets personal. Hey, I see that you're constantly giving yourself away. And, and, and life isn't about you. You're just giving yourself away. And you're so good at what you do. And you value me. Can, can, can we have coffee? Can, we, can I just take you out for lunch and just talk? Yeah. And they now invite you into their personal space. But we have to touch home plate again. And when people invite us into our pers their personal space, it's when we can share the love of God with them. Hey, why, why are you constantly giving? Why are you doing this? Why are you so good? Let me tell you about Jesus who's changed my life. And instead of just always running, you need God, here's what's wrong with you, now people have built a relationship with you. And then you can begin to share the love of God with other people. So give yourself away, get better, add value, and it, you will begin to be personal and love God. And praise team, make your way up here real quick. Before I became a pastor and I was in ministry, I was working in um, the science world as a research scientist, working on millions of dollars of drug development, pharmaceutical. And uh, 
I went into that environment, and in the science world, at least in my industry that I was in, you were, there was no believers. You were a rarity. And uh, I just tried to get good at what I did. Felt, God, this is your calling for my life in this moment, and so I'm just going to give myself away to my company. I'm going to try to get as many friends, many lost people to know Jesus. That, that was my goal in this environment. I remember one person at lunch, our, our department would always eat together. And um, I'd get my lunch and just quietly say a prayer. And over, I would do that every, every lunch. And over time, a person came up to me in our department and says, you're a believer, aren't you? And I haven't shared my faith. I haven't told anyone. I said, how do you know? He said, why do you pray at lunch all the time? I said, I'm just, I'm just thankful for the blessings that God's given me, and I just try to give everything back to Him. And I got really good at what I did really quick. And I just started to add value. I started to help everyone out at their job and just started, started, started. And they begin to open up to me. They begin to get personal. So I think we're going to get, my spouse and I are going to get divorced. I said, can I, can I let you know something? Can I tell you that it's possible to stay together? What do you mean? Can I tell you about the love of God in your life? Can I tell you about your creator who pursues you so passionately? And they began all of a sudden attending the church. It wasn't my intent. I just wanted to share God with them. Months went by and they at lunch again and they said, you know, we we decided to stick it out. Started getting help, go to counseling. And still to this day, they are married. They have a healthy family. They have kids together. But what I realized is I was never going to meet that person if I was just like, you need God and here's what's wrong with you. Give yourself away. Get better. Add value to them and people will open up to you to share the love of God. Church, can we could just wrap up this series. We could have titled it, this next slide, Live Like Jesus, Share His Love. That's what this entire series was about. Running the bases forward, living like Jesus, allowing God to do what he needs to do inside of your heart. And then how do we share his love? You meet where the world runs. They run it backwards as followers of Jesus, undercover agents in God's kingdom. Listen, there is no bench players in God's kingdom. We're all in the game. We're all in the game. So let's run with people who are far from Jesus to seek to get the love of Jesus inside of them. That's where we're at, church. May we seek lost people. Let me pray for us. God, you are so good. You are the name above all names. And we know in a room full of this, this size, as we come and just worship together, as we gather every Sunday morning, I pray for every single one of us that we would live like Jesus, that you would grow us up, running the basis of life forward. But God, when it comes to sharing our faith, 
with people who are far from you. I pray we meet them where they're at. Backwards, base running. And God, is that not what you do to us? You meet us right where we're at. With all of the baggage, with all of our hang-ups, you never tell us to get our act clean before we enter in a relationship. You just say, come to me. Father, I pray deep down you would set our hearts on fire to seek lost people. May we live like you and share your love, Jesus. It's in your awesome, matchless, life-changing name.